You call it a quiz. I call it a test. Um, we call it retrieval Bobby practice. recording didn't start what, until Dana? after you had already started. No, it did for us. It was, oh, man. Did it really? <laughs> it didn't <laughs> for me. Yeah. I'm watching it go. It's three, two, one. And, it, and it's already been talking. Oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh, this is weird. You're on sync, so let's not mess with okay, it. We'll just, okay, it. we'll take it again. Ready? You call it a quiz. I call it a test. We call it retrieval practice. Bob, Bob, I what, hate Dana? to interrupt your cold open, but retrieval practice is a learning strategy, not a, an assessment strategy. So we really shouldn't call it a test. Well, I guess I'm going to learn something then too, as will all of our listeners, as we dive into retrieval practice on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Hello, 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 gentlemen. Good hello. to see you again. Hey, guys. Or hear you. We were supposed to be able to see each other, but we're having some technical problems, so all we can do is hear. So we'll probably step over each other all the time as we're having this podcast. But it'll be edited really well. We'll just kind of envision each other speaking. Right. There we go. That would be good. That would be good. And Dana, being the dad joke connoisseur that I know you are, uh, when you said envision, you were thinking of WandaVision, which just ended for us today. Absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah, we liked it. I, I think all three of us liked it. Yeah? Yeah. I, I would like it. A lot to cram in in the amount of time, but it was a great setup for it's what's It's still kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably we'll probably leave it at this. It, it, it's not like we're going to do a WandaVision after show. Uh, we're, we're not going to bring on any celebrity guests to talk about WandaVision with us, but we we enjoyed it. We're re- I'm just ready for good, more Marvel movies, so... I have Same been here. going through all of the movies. There's the Disney Plus playlist of Marvel movies by chronological order. And I've been going through those and really enjoying them a lot more. So I recommend that. Where are you at? Where are you at, Bob? Uh, I am just about to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, you are right ahead of me. I'm on Winter Soldier right now. Oh, well, maybe you catch up and we can do a group watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, when you told me about that, one of our texts, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And yeah, I have a, a, a more of appreciation for it, especially how well they're able to, again, plan all of this when a lot of these movies were coming out either way before or way after when they appeared. Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, let's dive in and talk about retrieval practice. And Dana, I'm going to hand the mic over to you because clearly I am not qualified to host this conversation. Yeah, you know, the cold open, you were pretty good uh, on most of them, <laughs> but I thought this one was worthy of interrupting. So, well, yeah, so let me set the stage a little bit and then we'll just kind of banter the topic around a bit. Um, you, you, often when we're designing training material or learning experiences, you know, we spend a lot of time in how, what should the presentation look like? What will the, con- how will we present the content? What will we put on the PowerPoint, what lectures will be given, those types of things. Um, I've been reading a a book that I find pretty interesting called Powerful Teaching, Unleash the Science of Learning. And the first several chapters are really dedicated to retrieval practice. And there's a a bunch of interesting ideas that I'll um, leverage from that book as part of this discussion. Uh, part of the premise is, and I'm, this is directly quoting from the book, we typically focus on getting information into students' heads. However, one of the most robust findings from cognitive science research is the importance of getting information out of students' heads. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's been thousands of neuroscience studies that talk about 
uh, retrieval practice. Sometimes they have different labels, but the essence is the same. And and those um, studies demonstrate the significance of retrieval practice in increasing learning. And and the interesting thing is that the pra- the magic of retrieval practice is good for diverse populations of learners. So whether it's K through 12 or whether it's college students or professionals, also a diverse range of subject areas. So whether you're studying math or science or just medical students benefit from this and, you know, elementary school kids benefit from it. So, um, so I wanted to bring that topic here because when we think about retrieval practice, um, you, you know, I think there's a lot of areas where we could improve and if we just banter around some ideas, it might be helpful to our, our listeners. And Dana, before we do that, uh, maybe let's do a level set. What do you mean by, or what does the author mean by retrieval practice? Yeah, a real simple definition is retrieval practice is uh, bringing information to mind or pulling information out. So there's this notion of, you know, often we think about pouring knowledge into students or drawing knowledge out. Uh, and and so the retrieval practice is it it can be small it can be large it's anything that uh that you any mechanism you use when you're teaching to help people recall something that they've experienced so you need some degree of you know getting information in but the real magic comes when you draw it out so at, through asking questions or through uh, exercises like we've talked about the what squares exercise on this podcast earlier. That mm-hmm. would be an example of retrieval practice. Um, I guess one other dimension of that, Bob, is yeah. is that um, retrieval practice is not something that is most effective if it's done immediately after an event or learning experience, but if there's time in between. In fact, if if you have just the, even a short delay after something's been learned. Uh, you're going. You're going to have to work harder to remember it, and that working harder is uh, is what's the generative activity that that strengthens the the recall and the ability to apply. Right. So, so then to to unpack the very cleverly written humorous script that we wound up executing as the cold open <laughs> for the show. Yeah. A quiz. A, a quiz is a good example of retrieval practice. But a test is typically thought of as assessing how much somebody learned. Yeah, and that's not what that, that's not what we're interested in here. We're not interested in measuring our success. We're interested in the learner activating that recall mechanism in their mind and practicing that and, and reinforcing the knowledge through recalling it. Yeah, yeah, and and when you think about recall or retrieval practice. It, think about it as being n- no grading and, and low stakes on the part of the learner. So it's not meant to be a, a stressful, a negative stressful thing, which assessments sometimes are. Uh, in fact, uh, in one point in the book, they rebrand mini quizzes as retrieval practice. So they actually tell their students, yeah, we're not doing a quiz. We're doing retrieval practice because we want you to practice recalling what you can remember. Uh, and that, that even that simple change in the label, I think, changes the dynamic of a learning experience. So what, what are some examples, Dana, then that maybe tactics that you use then? Well, I can uh, I can illustrate a couple and then maybe this will stimulate some ideas for you guys. Um, but again, drawing from the book, uh, there's there's one example where they call it brain dumps. And so the 
the two authors, one of them happens to be a, a elementary school teacher, the other is a college professor. So they try these techniques uh, with a wide range of students. But uh, so one of the techniques they talk about is called brain dumps. And what they say is, as you're discussing or teaching a topic, you pause in the middle of the lesson and you give uh, the learners time to write down everything they can remember. And it's nothing that's graded or turned in. It's just an opportunity to pause and start that processing. Um, and and we know from some of the other research that, you know, there needs to be resets of the brain. And this is just one way of resetting the brain. So I mean, you could call it other things, right? You could call it like information unpacking or I think they use phrases like stop and jot or show what you know. But the idea is that you give learners an opportunity to just think about and actually write out because the process of writing is also generative. So that, that's that's one example. I think Bob mentioned another one, having some type of mini quiz. I, I keep thinking too about the idea of kind of lowering the stakes with this and not having it have the pressure of a quiz and bringing up that wounding from childhood potentially, uh, that this is a great opportunity to bring in game mechanics Mm -hmm. and make a game out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a little learning game that happens after the course or the, the learning event seems to be a great way to have some retrieval practice and, and make it fun at the same time. So part of what I was hoping we could explore a little bit is how do we take this concept and you know build it into our learning experiences? I mean, the brain dumps one thing, but what? How can we do retrieval practice over over time? And I, I, I've been experimenting a little bit with some chatbots, and I think you know chatbots might be an interesting way of doing retrieval practice. Um, but but what what comes to the minds of the two of you as you think about some of the learning? programs that you're working with and and ways or mechanisms that you might be able to to uh, do some of this retrieval practice. Well, how about tell us a little bit more about the chatbot idea which lets us hear you and also gives us some more time to think. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Not sure. that we're multitasking. We should we shouldn't be multitasking, but yeah, go no, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dana. No, that's fine. So sure, uh, I'm experimenting with a chatbot to learn uh, a little bit about the German language. And so uh, each day the chatbot sends me a little message and it says, "Here's your German phrase for the day." And uh, it gives a couple of examples. And then there's a little quiz, right? It says, which of these, uh, you know, it gives the phrase in German. It says, what's the English translation, A, B, or C? Uh, and it's, it's all, you know, maybe a five, 10 minute exercise. And then the next day it comes and does another little phrase. But when it does the quiz, it tests on things that may not have been in today's lesson, but it might've been yesterday's lesson or the lesson from the day before. Um, so I think, you know, with language, there's some real good opportunities, but um, so there, I've given you a little bit of an example, hoping that the, <laughs> the delay is stimulating some additional ideas for you guys. And some time. Yeah. And some time. Yeah. And and one thing that popped in my mind, I think as you're talking, and, and if I think of more of a formal event, I think it's the importance of integrating white space for these things to occur um, and mm-hmm. giving them. So it's not again, so crammed. And, you know, I, I, I love the idea of changing even the idea of assessment and, and, and retitling that, but then giving 
white space for people to step back and actually reflect, which reflect is part of, reflection is part of retrieval practice. So then if by giving them cues um, or, or questions to think about, um, will then allow myself to then process what I heard, try to call that out. It also requires the individual, I think in your case, Dana, to the, the chatbot, you are being a more effective, intentional learner of doing that. Like you yourself are trying to use the chatbot for what it's designed to do, but not everybody does it, but you actually are trying for it. And and I think if, if, if by integrating white space, by giving them some prompts, hopefully that will be like they have the permission, basically. They're not going to go to the next yeah. step already to to learn the next topic because we got, you know, we got to keep on schedule, guys. We got to keep on schedule. So that that would be one thing at least pops in my mind from a um, like a in-person live type event. Not in-person, sorry, but you know what I mean, in a, a live synchronous event. So let, let's give Bob just a little bit more time to think and I'll interject a thought. <laughs> so, okay, good. You can smell it burning yeah, over can, here. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jake, I, I think that's what you point out is really important. And that is it doesn't have to be complicated. What you basically said is give them time and a prompt, right? And the prompt doesn't need to be complex. The prompt could just be, uh, you know, stopping at some point during the teaching and just say, you know, write down a couple of things you've, you're, you've learned or, you know, write down a couple of things that you're going to apply and, you know, take a two or three, four minute break and then jump into it. Or, you know, going back to the using technology, you know, it, it, it those could be prompts that are sent out on a daily or weekly basis that just say, Hey, remember that, uh, learning experience you had, you know, what are two things that come to mind that uh, you want to follow up on or you want to read more about? All right. End of delay for Bob. <laughs> I've got a good idea. That's great. Thank you for the time. No, actually, I've been thinking about this for a little bit, Dana, and I'll bring it up now. I, I, I think that this is an interesting opportunity for us to, you know, kind of tackle two birds with one stone mm -hmm. uh, and address another challenge that we always run into, which is assessment and particularly after the learning event assessment, right? Uh, you, climbing up the Kirkpatrick pyramid and and getting to application and getting to uh, value and things like that. I, I'm interested in the idea of when we reach out to people after a particular learning event, that maybe in that connection point, we could both ask them for their feedback on the learning or to tell us stories about how they've applied it or tell us stories about the impact that it's actually made on, uh, mm -hmm. on their business or whatever, combine that with some retrieval practice. So, you know, who, who's to say that we couldn't do a little survey where we said, Hey, tell us what you thought of this training a week after the fact, you know, did you still think it was valuable? Would you recommend it to one of your peers? And by the way, Here's a couple of things that we talked about. Do you remember what the answers are? Yeah, it's interesting because the another little phrase that comes out of the the book is they they don't talk to th talk about some of the documents they provide to students as study guides. They talk about them as retrieval guides, and uh, again, they, they really emphasize this retrieval idea because they they feel that it's a valuable skill for the students to be thinking about is how can I retrieve what I've learned? And, you know, frankly, we retrieve stuff all the time, right? I mean, our days are filled mm -hmm. with retrieving 
experiences that we had as we were watching WandaVision or, you know, thinking about our, uh, someone said, well, what did you have for dinner last night? Right. That's a retrieval practice, maybe not a very practical one, but we're retrieving all the time. And so this is just an opportunity to kind of channel that retrieving that we do uh, to increase learning. I like calling it retrieval practice with the learner because that also orients them to what the end goal is, right? It's a beginning with the end in mind. You know, I, I know as a student, I'm doing my homework to get through my homework. I, you know, I, I'm trying to tick the box and do what I have to do and just get it learned. But I don't orient necessarily to being able to retrieve it in the future when I want to. And so positioning it that way you know, that it is all about not just building that knowledge, but ultimately that you're able to access it when you need it. Uh, that seems like it'd be a really good, healthy thing. Well, and the, the three of us are in fields where we are, I mean, we work in spaces and fields that are knowledge. We have knowledge workers. We're teaching knowledge workers. And a lot of what we're trying to teach them or what they're trying to practice on is invisible. You can't see it. You can't, Let's say, I, Dana, I can't teach you how to uh, solve this specific problem. You can't observe me. You can watch me, of course, but you can't. It's not like in a typical common apprentice relationship where I can watch you, you know, a certain craft, and I can see you. I can observe it from the eye. From the knowledge worker side, we do a lot of thinking. So it, it really allows, I think, even a better relationship outside of our learning events and even think of, let's say, on the job of how you can even use that term retrieval practice as a mode for that individual. Maybe it's someone that you work with or you're apprenticing or whatever you're doing. They could then re-articulate back what they think or how I would go about a certain problem or what you were trying to tell me. It's a mode of practice. So I'm trying to re-articulate what you said or what I think your mental models are. That could be another technique, but I love the idea of calling it Retrieval practice, because it seems safe, approachable. I think when you see either use assessment or quiz, it immediately thinks that I'm going to be judged. And I, and I think it's the opposite from, mm -hmm. from using that other term. Yeah. And I think that's part of the key there too, is if it is retrieval practice, then there's no grade. You don't necessarily need to turn in what you're doing. There's no, there's no assessment involved. And it, it is strictly a learning strategy, right? It's a, here's, how, here's what I'm going to do to help the learner recall uh, and, and somehow activate that part of uh, what, they've, what they've learned in their minds. A couple of things that uh, came to light, Jake, as you were talking, is when you start to think about the benefits of retrieval practice, and you outlined a couple of them, um, but th some of the benefits include things like uh, if you are engaged in retrieval practice, you start to identify gaps in your knowledge, right? If, if you are a learner and you're involved in retrieval practice, you're more engaged uh, retrieval practice can uh, improve the way that you're organizing knowledge in your head. And uh, I, the other the other point that they brought out was interesting. And they said that retrieval practice increases higher order thinking skills. And um, they, they it, it part of that depends on the prompts that you give people, right? So uh, this is another little phrase I loved. It said, good retrieval practice questions are not Googleable, <laughs> right? So, mm -hmm. and then they put a couple of examples like, are all human scientists? Why or why not? Right? You can't really Google that. Or, you know, how, how would you determine if a rocket launch was completely successful? 
I guess you might be able to Google that one, but that completely would cause you to think a little bit deeper. My brain's still on our all human scientists. <laughs> Are they? Why or why not, Bob? So you can't Google that one. <laughs> but I like the idea because, you know, then you start thinking about, you know, because if you ask just what questions rather than why questions, you're not getting to the higher order thinking skills. But with retrieval practice, if you start to ask those why questions, then they start to assemble the facts to come up with an opinion or, you know, something that's that gets to the problem solving and the analysis type skills. So my daughter is perfect at uncovering my gaps in knowledge. Whenever she asks me, why this daddy? Why this daddy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But clearly she points out the flaws in my, in my, my, my knowledge. You need to start employing the strategy of Calvin's dad in the Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> comic strips where he would just make up the yes. answers. Yeah. Mine was always, uh, go ask your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one works too. So I had a I had another one that popped up because you have given us some time, Dana, to think more. And <laughs> and, and Bob, you mentioned a part of game design. And one yeah. of the things that I'm currently working on with a, a a team that I partner with is using a hackathon architecture or a experiential learning architecture. It's a multi-day program and just really trying to figure out how can we use experiential learning in a beneficial way where we're not presenting content and be be more in that passive mode. So we're utilizing some of the techniques from, you know, various things, either hackathon as well as uh, some gaming techniques as well, but where Mm -hmm. you get them to solve a real problem. And by the act of actually working on something, the importance is, is abstracting, like, what are they taking away? And so we have an individual that's there, either you can call them the game master or, you know, that coach that's going to be helping them pull that out. But their, their job is to, to stop them, is to pause and to give them time to look back at what they actually did and then make connections to what they're trying to learn. Somewhat of a technique of getting them to, well, why did they, why did you do this? Or why did you make this decision? So that act of actually answering those questions gets them to make the connection to what we're trying to teach them um, without being completely mm-hmm. explicit of what we're trying to teach them. They are doing that. We're having, we're, we're abstracting that learning from them. So it made me think of this as a really good technique of taking the time to pause and getting them to answer those questions. So then, like you said, Dana, find out the knowledge gaps that they have and then maybe guide them to how to solve them or how to fill those gaps. I mean, that echoes my experience from having learning games. I I worked on a project once where we developed a really great game to simulate a system. And there was great learning to be had in the game, but we ultimately wound up sunsetting it because we weren't able to train enough people to be really good Mm. coaches Mm -hmm. around it. And we were not getting good debrief discussions. You know, I I kept saying the the game is great, but the magic happens in the debrief. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where the, the learning comes out and that's what needs to happen. Which is the challenge. That's where, that's Mm -hmm. where you get it. But then the counter argument to that is, are they actually, doing that debrief themselves when you do a typical passive mode or is it, is just this cramming information to Dana's early point at the beginning? Are they getting it out? Yeah, I, I think they may or they may not. It depends on the person. And that's why 
the role of the coach there is to guide it and guide it in the direction that we ultimately wanted to go. Right. Um, you know, I, I happen to be somebody who, you know, takes a trip to Disneyland and walks, you know, go, goes on a ride. And then it's like, what did I learn from that that I can apply to work? <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked about that. So I, I kind of naturally do that. And, and that's how I get a lot of learning done for me. But I, I don't think that everybody else is wired up like that uh, with me. So you, you do need that guidance to make that happen. I, I remember a while back, and Jake will remember this, when we had a vendor coming to town and they said, uh, hey, we want to we wanna come and have a meeting with you. And I said, well, yeah, let's have a meeting, but let's have it at, at an escape room because we were talking with them about designing games, right? And so their team and our team went to an escape room and we spent more time debriefing what we learned than we did actually escaping the room. And, and yeah, we talked right. about the leadership skills that we learned and how we learned how we learned what each other's strengths were, right? If there was a math problem involved, we got the guy who was good with math. And if we had someone who had good spatial recognition, we got that person there. And um, I mean, that's stuff you could very easily overlook if you just said, oh, we got out of the room. Let's, you know, let's go to have yeah. a burger. Well, Dana, I, I keep thinking too, in thinking about the debrief about metacognition and, and the research we recently did around how important metacognition is and, and thinking about your thinking, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the key ingredient. So I, I think, Jake, that it probably is possible to create a good self-paced reflection guide and self-paced activities for people to do that do get to that level of reflection and metacognition and make sure that the learning comes out. Mm -hmm. uh, I just know that my and, team back then hadn't gotten to that point. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and part of the, part of the magic might come in is if you don't ask those questions right after the event, but you give it a day or yes. two or a week, right? So that you, so that you are actually retrieving, you're having to restructure. What was that experience? And maybe they have to look at notes they took or whatever it is, but then, then they're going through that process after they've started to forget. Yeah. I mean, you brought up, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up again, because I think that's the, that's the shift is allowing them to have some, some time and some space. And we many times on the show as, as, as well as many other places talk about the importance of spaced learning. And that, that really is, is giving them time to, to noodle on it, to think of to slightly forget it, to then work harder to pull it back out. Um, and that, that's, what's key. I mean, what, what, when you said that earlier on, Dana, the first thing that popped in my mind is how I read books. I'm extremely slow at reading books, mainly because I typically read a chapter or two at a time and then I sit on it for quite a while <laughs> and I, I reflect on it and then I try things and then I, I wait on it and look back again. Okay, what was that again? And I try to force myself to go back and in in, in, in retrieve it and practice on it and think, what did they say there? Or what does that mean to me? But it is something that re requires a lot of self-effort and, and, and intentionality amongst yourself. But for those that are haven't built those habits up yet, giving them the prompts or giving them the questions doing some type of intervention after the fact or in a space way will then also help that individual, you know, keep on practicing and retrieving. I know this is a little different content area, but I can't help but think about uh, something like learning how to drive a car. 
right? You, over time, you start to get all sorts of experience. You retrieve, and a lot of this is muscle memory, but there's also a huge cognitive part. You know, what do you do at certain signs yes. and what do you do with certain road conditions and things like that? But by constantly going at it over and over and over again, you can become a pretty good driver. Um, and it's, you know, space practice over time because you're not, well, unless you're a truck driver, you're not driving 100% of the time. Well, hey, I'm looking at the clock on the studio wall, and it's about time to wrap this up. Dana, are there any other key thoughts you wanted to bring out from the book? No, I just I think the relabeling of a lot of the things that we do that that are retrieval practice, relabeling them as retrieval practice, is a, a nice way to intentionally help learners understand what they're doing um, and improve their ability to learn. So, thanks for engaging in the discussion, guys. Oh, no, this is great. This is fantastic. And I know as we wrap up this episode, it's going to shock, shock our listeners as much as it's shocked us. But we actually have like a really good schedule of upcoming episodes planned. <laughs> and it's the first time we've ever said that in this entire time we've done this, which I think is three years. It's right. We've ever said we have a schedule. Come yeah, we, we do. We, we have topics and uh, many, many of them featuring guests. Some of them are uh, our old friends of the program. Some of them are new to the program. Some of them are celebrities, at least in our little world of corporate learning. And it's <laughs> it's going to be really fun, but um, I, I, I'm not going to commit to it because I know how crazy our schedules get, but we're we're hoping that about every other week or so, we will have another episode out and we've got them planned all the way through the summer. So how about yeah. that? How about Yay. that? That's awesome. Every other week we have, we have something on the books, whether or not that happens because of schedules, but still at least we did it. That's, that's pretty impressive for us after three <laughs> and, years. And we do have some pretty interesting folks coming. So we do. We I'm do. looking forward yeah. to the discussion. Great topics. Yeah. It's going to be topics. great. It's going to be great. So uh, thanks, Dana, for leading us through this. Uh, great yeah, stuff thanks, on Dana. retrieval practice. We'll, we'll ask some questions about that next time, and we'll see how it works with retrieval practice. Remind but, me, or text me in a couple days to uh, make sure I remember what we talked about. <laughs> we'll build a little chat button. Okay. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. And uh, meanwhile, thanks to all of you, our listeners, for joining us. So on behalf of Dana and Jake, this is Bob, and we'll see you in a couple weeks with the next episode of the Learning Geeks podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Sweet.